Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. This is your Saudi Arabian Grand Prix review in which we will discuss a wacky race in Jeddah, another clash or multiple clashes between the title rivals, drama from lights to flag and much, much more. My name is Adam Williams. I am your host and as ever, we are joined by our good friends and F1 analysts, Joe and Jimmy. Jimmy, how are you doing after that one? Yeah, it's incredible. I nearly had heart attacks at multiple occasions. Uh, it's just a phenomenally crazy race. I can't remember a race which had that much chaos in. It's just mental, absolutely mental. I did say that to my dad. I said, my heart rate is so high, I don't need to do a workout today. It was mad. You Right, so... We've spoken on the podcast before about how Jimmy, Joe and I watched the Russian Grand Prix and I couldn't eat my food because I was that nervous in the last few laps. Now, it took me an hour and a half to have my dinner. It was cold by the end. It was lovely, <laughs> by the way, but I, I just I couldn't pick it up. No, because then I, then I was pacing, going, oh, oh I don't know. I, I always pace during red flags. Um, I think I think it would be useful for the listeners to try and get an understanding of what, what went on in the race. Not that anyone actually knows, but first of all, they all get away fairly cleanly. It looks like it could be a boring race. However, as we'd seen in other lower category races, that was never going to happen. Mick Schumacher had a crash, just lost the rear end. That brought out a safety car. The two Mercedes pitted because the other cars are going slowly. They weren't the only ones that pitted, but it's key that I say those two, as Verstappen didn't. It's easier to pit while you're under, or it's better to pit while you're under safety car because the other cars are going slower. That's why they did it. But then they brought out a red flag, they being race control, and that meant that Verstappen came into the pits with everyone else behind and he could change his tyres in the pit lane. We thought that that was going to be the drama that happened this race. Oh, no. Oh, 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 no. Because then there was another restart, a standing restart at that. Hamilton gets up the inside of Verstappen and then Verstappen cuts the corner uh, and then comes out in, in turn two, blocks Hamilton off. Ocon gets past Hamilton and then... An absolute mess happens behind, really, uh, involving Perez, Mazepin, George Russell, and others who I've forgotten there. Leclerc was involved too, but managed to carry on. Uh, It's it's one of those, isn't it? (laughs) And then they head back into the pit lane. It's another red flag, and the stewards do deal or no deal. They say to Red Bull, do you fancy swapping positions? Uh, So putting Verstappen back to third place behind the new pole sitter Ocon and Hamilton. Or would you like us to give this to the stewards to decide what the penalty is? They took the deal. They didn't want to wait to hear what the banker had to offer. Um, So they start again. Hamilton gets the better start of the two up front. He's kind of watching Ocon quite a bit. Verstappen made probably one of the moves of the race with a nice bold dive down the inside um, of the both of them. As a result, Hamilton has his first front wing 
damage of the race, but not too damaged. He carries on, overtakes Hocon, catches up to Verstappen. Uh, they're trading times for a bit. He then makes a move on Verstappen, Hamilton does, but of course Verstappen doesn't let him through. Uh, breaks really late, pushes them both off. Brazil-esque, I would say. The stewards decided that they were actually going to do something this time, which confused uh, Verstappen because he'd got away with it last time. He was told to slow down and let Hamilton pass, which he didn't really do. He just slowed down. Hamilton didn't know he was going to be let past. Verstappen braked in front of Hamilton. They had another collision. Well, another collision for this year, I suppose. Uh, and then Verstappen scarpers off like a like a scolded cat and then Verstappen says uh, or Verstappen is told to let Lewis pass again he lets Lewis pass but then immediately overtakes him um, but after the rules were changed in Sparrow 8 that's not allowed so he finally lets Lewis pass because he knows his tyres are dead Hamilton goes off um, he's on old hard tyres he bangs in a load of fastest laps with damaged wings Wins the race, Verstappen gets penalised out of the race by 10 seconds, but it doesn't make any difference. And now they're going to Abu Dhabi, one race, level on points. Have you got anything to add to that summary? Because I've just been freestyling most of that. Yeah, the one thing I would say is the first move by Verstappen was the only clean move that he made in the race. And it was actually quite a good overtake, overtaking Lewis. The second move. Yeah, that one. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Yeah, so good move that was, to be fair to him. Whew. I'm out of breath after that. Can you can you give me your race reviews? Because I don't know. We'll begin with you this time, Joe. I would give that race an 8 out of 10 um, because obviously it was really exciting and there was loads of drama. So that's why it gets a higher rating. But it doesn't quite get the higher ones because it was a bit disorganised and a bit of a farce, really, because... It just sort of seemed like no one knew what was going on and it almost cheapened the the racing a bit to just have too much drama almost instead of the clean racing, which is, you know, as much as the drama's fun to watch and great television and great entertainment, I think most people want to see the clean racing because um, it's just a bit more rewarding. So, yeah, a very exciting race that I enjoyed watching very much, but it did leave a little bit of a sour taste, and it certainly brought up a lot of talking points about what's wrong with the sport at the moment. Uh, I completely agree with you on that, and it. <laughs> I'm sure you saw, I think it was uh, Lawrence Edmondson that tweeted... Uh, that Netflix can just release that race unedited and it could be one of the Netflix episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and it really was that, wasn't it? Um, Alex Kalanorkas has already has also done a really good piece where he, he breaks down the races into different episodes. I, what, what made me laugh was about half an hour after the race had finished, Joe messaged me and said, has Lewis Hamilton actually won this? <laughs> For real? I don't know. Jimmy, we'll go over to you. What are we rating this? Famously, it's more than Joe. Is it going to be? No, actually, it's not. Um, yeah, I know, right? Um, I would give it a 7 out of 10. And why is that? Because it wasn't, it was very messy. It wasn't, I don't think it was a particularly good track either. 
I mean, a track that's so high speed where if you crash, you're in the wall immediately and there's a red flag. I don't think that's very good. Um, and also, it's just very messy. The stewards didn't do a great job, I don't think. I've never, ever heard of a F1 race director negotiate with an F1 team before. That's a new one on me. Um, and it was just a bit all disjointed. It was a real shame because it could have been a great race. The other thing that annoyed me slightly was all the virtual safety cars because that took a lot of the excitement out of it. No, but, but what they need to understand is the virtual safety car doesn't create a big enough gap to pick up a load of debris. If they just threw a full safety car out there, then that's fine. Uh, but I suppose they got to weigh that up against the fact that there's going to be a load of carnage with a proper safety car rolling restart. Maybe not as much as a standing start, but... That's what they got to weigh up and it was a little bit messy. It didn't feel like a, a proper race. There wasn't much strategy involved. It was more of a, a roll of the dice. Lando Norris was extremely annoyed um, because he got screwed over by the, by the red flag and others not pitting and getting far ahead. But people that didn't pit, that did well out of it, Esteban Ocon, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, yeah, so so you had the winners and the losers as a result of of this weird situation, and of course they've got to make these decisions with safety being priority. But it did feel a little bit like they lost control when it came to uh, the standards of driving and penalties being dished out and whatnot. Um, let's start with our awards then. I know we're already ten minutes in, but I think it's important that we cover what has actually happened before we talk about it, especially in this race. Who, Jimmy, was your biggest winner? Mercedes was my biggest winner uh, in this race. I think Mercedes, um, simply because they've probably got an insurmountable lead now uh, going into the final race, and it looks like the Constructors' uh, Championship is there. Um, is theirs, sorry. So, um, for sure, I think um, Red Bull might have a... a, a good race you know Mercedes might finish and then might just clinch the Constructors Championship but I very much doubt it so I think that Mercedes were the biggest winners because of that. Now spot on I, I agree with you for that they they did well in qualifying I know Max made the mistake but they they kept cool heads throughout the weekend and I think that they also prepared the car better for racing conditions whereas Red Bull were fully focused on qualifying thinking well if we can get out front it's going to be hard to overtake and they may not have accounted for how crazy that race was going to be so really it didn't matter who was starting in front um as was shown by mercedes nearly winning nearly not winning and it could have gone either way it was like the flip of a coin at times but you're right bottas is performing well he did well to come back to third place after Losing uh, positions to Verstappen through no fault of his own, really. Let's not forget that. It, it wasn't like Verstappen flew past him this time. He did great defending for the team into turn one. Um, and he overtook poor Esteban Ocon in the final few metres. Uh, can you remember a race where he did that before and there was also some brake checking? Uh, Azerbaijan 2018? Yeah, 17. It's, it's like deja vu, isn't it? It's almost like that's what sort of craziness happens when you have long straights in a street circuit. Mm. 
back is straight is so long. It's crazy. It is. It is. But we should move on to see who Joe's biggest winner is because, of course, Mercedes is a good shout and they are our reward winners. What's Joe got to say? My biggest winner was um, the championship as a whole because I said before the race... I wanted Lewis to win with fastest lap and Max to come second. That's what happened. Um, we we went the long way about getting there. But yeah, um, but what that means is that we're going into the final race level on points after 21 rounds, which is just mental. And for the championship as a whole, I think that's brilliant, having two drivers go into the final round exactly the same points, winner takes all, Unless obviously one of them, unless obviously they both don't finish, but we'll see if that happens or not. But let's assume it's going to be a clean race um, and it'll be winner takes all. Whoever finishes highest wins the world championship. It's not happened since I think this was 1974. Um, So obviously we've waited a long time for a championship this close and I just think it's just so cool having them go go into the final race level on points so my biggest winner is the championship as a whole do you think that there's an argument that one of them should have had it wrapped up by now um well i don't think you can get into sort of if buts and maybes we only do absolutes around here but um but yeah um there's definitely an argument that red bull should have taken advantage of the period where they had the fastest car, which was obvious. But then there was also a period, I think, where Mercedes didn't fully maximise their points around sort of Hungary and those sort of tracks. So I, 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 don't, I never agree with, like, saying this is how it could have turned out if this happened. No, I, you're absolutely right. The championship wins, the fans wins. The fans win, I should say, if I can get my grammar correct. Uh, mm-hmm. the whole world is watching this weekend Abu Dhabi and I hope it's a thriller just just because this is going to be one of the biggest adverts for F1 and of all tracks it's Abu Dhabi but we'll get on to that later because it might be mm-hmm. a little bit different thank you for that Joe thank you for that Jimmy Mercedes are our biggest winners this weekend it's looking highly likely that they will be Constructors champions and that says a lot really given that they probably haven't had the quickest car this season overall. Mm-hmm. It says a lot. It's all because, well, it's literally all because Bottas has outscored Sergio Perez because Hamilton mm-hmm. and Verstappen are on the same amount of points. Anyway, we'll move on because, yeah, we often have to in life. We'll also go to the biggest loser of this weekend. And all go to you, Jimmy. My biggest loser is uh, Ocon. Simply because, um, as you stated before, he had the podium taken away from him on the final straight, not even the final corner. It was the final straight, about 20 metres from the line. Um, And I just felt for him, it would have been quite nice for uh, Alpine um, to have back-to-back podiums. Uh, And he was so close, it just didn't pay off. And I thought he was going to hold off and get the podium, but unfortunately he didn't. When do you reckon the last time the Endstone team has had back-to-back podiums? Probably 2013, something like that. They said 2012 in the commentary, I think. Oh, did they? Well, they you've got you've to trust Crofty with his facts like, and figures like that. Uh, but you're, you're spot on there. And of, of course, I made that point that Ocon maybe got lucky with the red flag. 
But, like in Hungary, he was there to maximise the points where where it all kind of went a little bit weird. So, you got to be in it to win it. And he was in it, wasn't he? So, it's it's tough to give him the biggest loser, but you're probably right. You could see the distraught um, in his body language, but he went over and congratulated Mercedes after the race. I, I saw that in Ted's notebook, so... That, that was a nice moment, at least. And I heard that it was because he was pressing the overtake button to try and get a little bit more power on the straight. But his car was almost saying, you will not have the overtake, Kimmy. You will not have the overtake. <laughs> it, it wasn't working. So it's a bit of a shame, but we'll move on to Joe, who's going to give his biggest loser to us now i'll go with Charles leclerc actually because i feel like he was one of the biggest losers from all that chaos at the start and if he'd have managed to stay in position i think it's quite likely that he would have got the podium because obviously that ferrari is a bit faster than the alpine he might have been able to hold bottas off for 20 meters longer than ocon managed so i think he definitely missed out on a podium there he still finished seventh which is you know good result um but yeah, I think he I think he definitely missed out on a potential podium there and just got unfortunate with the carnage. Yeah. That's a great point. Uh he did well to qualify four, didn't he? Oh yeah, it was an excellent qualifying performance. As I say, he was just wrong place, wrong time. I don't really think it was his fault. So, but. so both of our, our biggest losers so far have been unlucky rather than doing anything wrong themselves, haven't they? Yep. Uh, my biggest loser has gone big picture like Joe's. It's the philosophy of racing. I know <laughs> we don't we don't mess around here on the AJ on the Line podcast. Now, where does where is the racetrack? Clearly, no one knows that anymore. What? Well, everyone does except one driver by the, the looks of things. Yeah, yeah, and that one driver being you know who he who shall not be named. Yeah, that Dutch bloke, yeah. Uh, Max, Max Verstappen, right? And yeah. that is, as a result, and it's the issue that we saw coming in Brazil after he wasn't penalised for running Hamilton off the track. You can't defend like that. You can't go off the track and get a gaining advantage, but twice he did it. He got penalised both times, which was positive at least, but then it's the fact that he's whinging uh, and a load of people are looking up to this guy Um and they're on go-kart tracks and, and they're, they're going around crashing into me, Jimmy and Joe and Liam when we go out on a Monday night. So Yeah, they are. So And it, they're grown men as well, I have to say. They're not like seven-year-olds or eight-year-olds just starting well, out they'll, karting. They'll be doing they're it too, men. won't they, Jimmy? And, and yeah. while you may joke about us being crashed into because we're big enough and ugly enough to crack on, motorsport is dangerous, right? And you, you want to see racing where it's hard, but it's fair. Uh, and and if someone starts playing on a, a football pitch where they decide where when the ball is out and where they decide whether it, it's a goal or not, that that's that's not how I want to have a sport, right? It's, it's, and it's not helped either by the stewards and, and the FIA almost make it up as they go along. And I, I appreciate that they're under a lot of pressure. Um, and it's not helped by Christian Horner and Helmut Marko and Jos Verstappen and all that that Red Bull team kind of coming to Max's aid and saying, well, he's never wrong. And of course, you're going to back your driver, but 
there have been moments where Toto Wolff has said, look, Valtteri Bottas, it was his fault. He crashed into everyone in Hungary. We'll move on. We're sorry. Um, and you you just got to be um, careful about it. Otherwise, it turns into a, a badly behaved student in a school where the, the parents are always blaming the teachers. And uh, not all of the teachers are punishing the child for doing the same thing in different classes. Like, they're, they're not going to know what, what's right and wrong. And, it, yeah... I, I said at the time, I, d- I don't like moaning on a podcast because Formula One is the, the greatest thing in the world, in my opinion. And you may or may not agree with me on that. But I said that Max Verstappen is stealing Formula One from us. You you can't break check someone like he did to Lewis. You can't. And get away with, yeah, 10 second penalty. That's what you get for causing a collision. But it's not just that. And I, I see the point that it wouldn't be as great for for the sport if Verstappen was disqualified from this race because then Lewis would be far ahead in the championship battle but surely at some point you, you said to me before this podcast Jimmy and I agree at some point Max Verstappen is going to kill someone if he drives like he is we saw in the F2 feature race how dangerous this sport can be. Luckily, Fittipaldi and uh, Theo Porcher are, are doing okay, but still, it's 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 getting silly. And I hope that someone sits Max Verstappen down and tells him, look, you can't do this. But we've seen it before with Senna and Schumacher, haven't we? Sorry, I really went off on one then. <laughs> <laughs> you did it, mate, yeah. Um, but I, I completely agree with you, to be honest. Um, he can't... The problem is with Verstappen, he's been placed on a pedestal ever since he was young. He was 17 or 18 when he first got into Formula 1 in Toro Rosso. And he's been at the same team where everybody sort of said, oh, how fantastic you are, Max. You're an amazing driver. Blah, 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 blah. And it, it seems to sort of got into his head and sort of... He's just a spoiled kid. That's what he's turned into. Who doesn't know his errors... And his parents, they just keep egging on. But it's crazy, isn't it? You know, he does need to be sat down. It's like Schumacher and Senna. Senna was an amazing driver, but he used to just crash into people, didn't he? Yeah. Verstappen is an amazing driver, and um, yeah. we're not denying that. Um, people love watching Verstappen because he is always on the edge. That qualifying lap was something to behold. But you can't keep on risking so much and then expect others to be at fault all the time if if lewis hamilton wins this world championship the theme of it will have been him avoiding collisions throughout the year and it's not because he's scared of max he just knows that he's a nutter yeah and that doesn't come down to experience either i I would say it's just two different approaches to going racing and even even charles leclerc when he was in a fast ferrari in 2019 he was a hard racer, but it was a fair racer. At Monza, he never used to... He used to. Do you remember when he went at Monza? Hamilton was all over the back of him. And he was racing that hard because Max had did it to him. And then he'd be like, all right, you can clearly get away with it. And then he actually got penalised for it, whereas Max didn't. It's continued, hasn't it? It's not just this year. Um, yeah. I do think the rules are equal fault as Max, because... If you're if you're if you're setting the precedent that you can just sort of you know, if you're on the inside you can just take break ten metres later and go over the 
the next corner, and that's fine. If you set that precedent, obviously people are going to do it. So I don't think it's entirely Max's fault, I think. No, I'm not fully blaming him. It's it's a combination that that has, is those three. It's Max. He's got a certain approach, which is fine. He can have that. But the stewards and Red Bull need to say, look, you need to calm down or something bad's going to happen. I, I'm, I was scared this weekend and I, I'm worried about the championship uh, being decided in, in an unfortunate heap uh, next week. Well, Verstappen would be the winner because he's got more wins than Hamilton. Yeah. So even now the onus is still on Verstappen to run him off the road and crash. And he actually made that comment in, in the press conference was, sat next to Hamilton. He said, well, I've got the advantage because I've won more races. So <laughs> the pressure is not on him. Uh, so that sounds like a, a threat. And whether he's just going to spook Hamilton rather than actually crashing into him, I don't know. But You know, he does need to be sat down. It's like Schumacher and Senna. Senna was an amazing driver, but he used to just crash into people, didn't he? You, you don't know what he's going to do next. It's, it's like that Martin Brundle saying, isn't it? You've got to treat him like the back end of a donkey. And we're going to move on to our moment of the weekend. Well, I mean, there were just so many. I would personally go with the incident that caused Lewis to be behind Max in the first place, where Lewis finally got the both the RS zones and he managed to get alongside him. Um, and I think Max cut the corner, but... I mean, some people disagree, but he did. obviously, yeah, he did cut the corner. Now, obviously, Lewis, did, I mean, I saw some people arguing that Lewis went all four wheels off the track as well, but that was, no, he did. No, 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 he did. He did go all four wheels off the track. But obviously, the only reason he went off the track was because he had to steer right to avoid mm. Verstappen. So I don't, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's very exciting, but... I mean, you want to see fair racing. Mm. And, like, I just don't see how you can break to... Like, because people are arguing, oh, yeah, no, Max was clear, was oversteering. That's why he cut the corner. Yeah, he was oversteering because he braked 10 metres too late and then tried to chuck the car into the corner, and obviously it was never going to stick. You can't just You can't just decide that you can break 10 metres later just because the corner in front's cuttable. It's like, oh, I made an effort to do it. No, you deliberately broke too late. So, But still, moment of the weekend because I think it's where all the drama stemmed from. Um, and it was, yeah. yeah. I think you're absolutely right, but the the drama felt like it was boiling over throughout the race, wasn't it? It was It was the little comments that you might not have heard, like, uh, Verstappen was complaining about Hamilton not being within 10 car lengths of him while they were yeah. going to the grid and Hamilton was saying well Verstappen can't do a practice start in the pit lane and he's just done one and it's little things like that and mm -hmm. little ways and I don't know did Lewis finally get into Max's head rent free well I think Max has been making People keep saying he's not under pressure. I think he has made a few mistakes. Just because he's gotten away with it because of the rules, I think Brazil was a mistake. And I think he made a couple of mistakes this weekend as well. So Look at his pole lap, for instance. Yeah, exactly. So I think he's been making a few mistakes that have gone under the radar a little bit. But, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, 
it was a it was a key moment of the race. Jimmy will come to you in a moment, but I'm just going to give you my moment of the race, and that was Verstappen walking off the podium. He wasn't celebrating. He wasn't taking any photos. He didn't shake Lewis's hand. It's mm-hmm. it it's a shame, really, that it's become that bitter. But it really says a lot about how tense and tight and exciting this championship battle is. He he felt that it was unjust, all the penalties going against him. And we've spoken about his mentality behind that and, and the rights and wrongs of it. But it is so interesting to see these two world-class drivers. They're pushing each other on. Like... When have you ever seen in a Formula One race two drivers being so far ahead that they can afford to slow down and <laughs> have a, have an argument on on the side of the racetrack about who's mm-hmm. going to get the DRS zone? You just yeah. don't see that. But because it is mental that it happened again, they drove off again into the. It's just they are completely in a league of their own. And it it, yeah. it was such a crazy race, and you still got Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas as your finishing three. Yeah, <laughs> the most consistent yeah. podium order that you've ever seen in Formula One history. But oh, it's it's crazy, isn't it? But yeah, it's a shame that he went off the podium. It's getting tense, isn't it? And Max isn't Max isn't liking it. It's the first time that I've seen Hamilton and Verstappen not hold any punches in the press conference. Usually they're very cordial. They don't say much. And they were going at each other, like, really, it was, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, It's the first time I've seen it a whole season. It was when Hamilton said, well, some of us around here don't go by the rule book. (laughs) And you know exactly who that's referring to. Indeed, yeah, for sure. I almost there was a moment where the the Saudis were showing off about how great they are and they had a big light show on and a load of stupid fireworks and things like that. They weren't stupid, it was just over the top. And while we were all having to watch that, usually you would be seeing uh, the drivers in the cooldown room and I was thinking to myself, I imagine it just cuts to Hamilton and Verstappen pushing each other at a fight before a boxing match in a way in like I miss the cool down rooms. I miss the cool down oh, rooms. It, it the was best so good, wasn't it? Ever. Yeah. Is that almost one of the biggest things that coronavirus has taken from us? Yeah, potentially. There's, there yeah. may be some bigger things in life, but that is one of the, the those things that has gone under the radar. Speaking of controversial moments though i'm sure jimmy's moment of the weekend was controversial he loves a controversy does our jimmy what was it i do indeed mine's a bit lighter than you uh, sort of the race and in general it was the post race where um the delight that is christian horner came to speak to the sky sports f1 team your mate uh, christian yeah consisting of simon lazenby damon hill and paul de um, and Damon got quite feisty with Horner, and this was because uh, Horner gave no, yeah, Horner gave a interview to the Telegraph um, about Formula One, and he called Damon Hill bias, um, and Damon Hill sort of said, "I'm fair," and Christian just gave him a bit of a glare, and it was quite an interesting exchange. Uh, I think Damon Hill could have gone a bit further. He should have said to him, "You know, look, mate, I'm a Formula One world champion." You're a failed racing driver. I know what I'm doing. I've been there, done that. Why don't you go back to your garage and shut up? I think that would have been fantastic. But Damon Hill is far too polite for that. 
He is a bit biased, though. He is. I love it, though. <laughs> <laughs> you had Paul Dressa, who was biased in favour of uh, Max Verstappen, and then you had Damon Hill, who's biased in favour of the Brit. Uh, I don't know how he's going to cope with Lewis versus George next year. Um, but <laughs> you, you needed Martin Brundle to sit down and talk some sense. But even Martin was saying, yeah, he's over the line with that one. Uh, and... Yeah, it was it was quite amusing how they they said to Damon after Christian walked off, "You're not on his Christmas card list, are you?" <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's it's almost binge worthy worthy F one, isn't it? Now, like you, you can't take your eyes off it. Even after the racing's finished, everyone's got an opinion, like everyone's got a nose, and you want to see everyone's nose. I got a bit confused by those metaphors, but it's all right. I'm sure it made sense to the people. So, we get to the Honourable Mention Award, but before we do that, I want to talk about a guy that was special to our sport, and that was Sir Frank Williams. Unfortunately, last weekend, uh, we lost him. He he was an absolute legend of the sport. Uh, The founder and the leader for so many years for Williams F1 team, who is up there with McLaren of Ferrari as one of the best. He had he had great drivers such as Piers Courage, Alan Jones, Alan Prost, Ayrton Senna, Damon Hill himself, Jack Villeneuve. Nigel Mansell. Nigel Mansell. There's so many to name. Um, Nelson Piquet. Yeah. Keke Rosberg. Uh, yeah. Oh, shout. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There, there were so many, but it was more than the people. It, it was that humility it was that determination and and that ability to overcome whatever was thrown at him whether it was one of his drivers or 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 friends in his cars crashing and dying um and carrying on um as a team or whether it was the way that he fought on uh after those life-changing injuries um i know that that we talk about f1 and its dangers but he still carried on and he was a, a true great to this sport. So I, I just want to, it's not even an award. It's, it's more than an honourable mention because they go week in, week out. This, this is a thank you. And that goes to Sir Frank Williams. No, he's just, just a great guy, really. And uh, we sorely missed. And his legacy will always live on. I think we all want Williams to get back to the top. It's, it's always good to have, a, I think F1 should have a few more privateer teams. And it's good to yeah. see that Williams is still going, not as a, a big car brand. And hopefully they can get back up towards the front again. Mm. Yeah, he was on that level, wasn't he? Like Enzo Ferrari or Bruce McLaren. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, will we ever see anyone like him again? Mm-hmm. I don't think the so. The answer may well be no. You're right, Jimmy. Um, but yeah, thank you, Sir Frank Williams. Um, yeah, please do go and read about him or, or watch watch the film because there's so many great stories and we can't talk about them all here uh, but yeah what a man he was and what a life he lived we will move on to our honorable mention um, I'll begin this time uh, and I'm going to give my award to Suez Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton um, I uh, the iconic duo they are in it 
It was controversial Formula One going to Saudi Arabia, especially with their human rights record. But I feel like Lewis and Seb, they were classy champions, the way that champions lift uh, communities, not just trophies. And it's like Seb put on a, a female-only driving session. I think he went out in carts with a load of, of, of female drivers in Saudi Arabia, which is, of course, poignant given that, that was it 2017? that women were allowed to drive there? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. And then, um, of course, he also had on um, his pride colours on, on his shoes, and Hamilton has been sporting a pride helmet through Qatar, uh, Saudi Arabia, and he will do it in Abu Dhabi too. He He's only posted one thing on Instagram. He usually puts a few posts up uh, throughout the weekend, but he posted on Thursday, I think it was, a, a picture of his helmet, and he the... The comment was, this is Lewis Hamilton, by the way. Uh, that wasn't the comment. <laughs> the the comment, <laughs> the caption was, uh, equality is all. And I feel like they, they've really gone about it in a classy way. Little things like Seb wasn't going to go and kneel down where he was supposed to. He went and knelt next to Lewis Hamilton so that uh, the world could see a great photo of two great champions. And it's not just them. Uh, Mick Schumacher's. Uh, trying to learn and, and, and spread positive messages of equality as well. Um, and I know there are others too, but those two are really leading um, a light and, and trying to make a difference in the best way that they can. Uh, I know we've talked about it before, but when they leave the sport, we're going to miss them. And so will the world, really. Yeah, for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, they are champions I mean you know what Seb did was fantastic uh, it's all very well going and talking about how things need to change and everything like that but he's actually doing something about it um, and I'm not sure who made the point but they're very much in a microcosm Formula 1 you know they go around they're there for about a week and then they leave they don't really see much of what's going on in the diff- uh, different countries they always see the nicer parts uh, of the countries and it's good to see that they're actually thinking about it and they're actually doing something to try and change things, um, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anything to add, Joe? Um, I think they've always been the sort of two biggest ambassadors for the sport. And I think they're a great pair of drivers as well. So it's really good to see them continuing in the same way that they've been going on for quite a while now. It's all quite serious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all that I'm bringing up now. But we'll go to Joe with his honourable mention. Well, I can't believe no one's mentioned it yet because I thought we talked about it for ages, but it was probably the most controversial moment of the weekend. So I'm going to... I wasn't originally going to go with it, but I'll go with it now. Uh, Lewis Hamilton running into the back of Max Verstappen and them colliding. Um, as your honourable mention? As, a, as, a, as a, like a moment, a big moment, I think it has to be mentioned. You're probably right. <laughs> I mean, we've 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 got to this point in the podcast without talking about possibly the biggest moment of the race. So mm. I think honourably we need to mention it. You're right. Why don't you? I'm going for it. But yeah, so there was obviously a lot of confusion. Um, Mercedes clearly didn't know that Max was going to let them pass. Max let Lewis pass in a very ambiguous way I feel like I feel like if you're letting someone past you should probably move over to one side 
I mean, I have no problem with Max giving up the place where he did, because I think that's exactly what Lewis would do if it was the other way around. But, yeah, it all just boiled over and there was too much confusion. No one knew what was going on and it ended up with contact. I'm very surprised that the contact didn't damage either of their cars that much. I think that I think that was the I think that was the biggest surprise was that Max didn't end up getting any rear suspension damage or even a puncture and Lewis's front wing somehow remained relatively intact. I thought that was mental. Um mm. but yeah. Imagine Bottas had won the race last second yeah like he did yeah, oh wow. wow that would have been yeah. that would have been really crazy but yeah um it's to be fair right initially i was kind of i wasn't as fussed by that incident as i was by the the turn one incident that i mentioned earlier why because i th- initially without the the investigation afterwards I thought it was more of just a confused incident, if you get what I mean. It was just one of those things. Both drivers could have done more to avoid it. I think the telemetry has shown that Max applied 2.4G of brake pressure, which is, a, which is a substantial slowing down when Lewis is right behind. So I think, you know, that is a brake test. But... Yeah, initially I was much more fussed about the Turn 1 incident because I thought that was Max doing it. Like, you know, they shouldn't allow him to be ahead. But yeah, I think it was just a crazy moment that no one was expecting. Like, I think we all expect Lewis and Max to hate each other just with how much they end up on track together, but not in a situation as weird as that was. Oh, yeah. I've I, I got to say, Joe, I I feel like... Well, I I've been trying to learn... Swift UI, a coding language. I've been learning Spanish for a few years in Italian, but my French really came out strong um, <laughs> during that moment. And my dad's too. I, I never knew um, how much. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. How was your French at that moment, Jimmy? Not too good, as you can probably tell. <laughs> what was your honourable mention, Jimmy? Um, I would say Ricardo. Um, Ricardo was fortunate with the red flag, um, but he, he came home for P5 and I thought um, it was a good race, good solid race. Tried to keep Bottas behind, uh, didn't really work unfortunately, uh, but yeah, very good solid race from Ricardo. Yeah, did a cracking job, did Danny Rick. Um, yeah, nothing much more to say on that really. Bit, a bit harsh to give him an honourable mention, but Ocon biggest loser. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but... I know. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got to put them somewhere, hasn't he? He's mentioned both of them. Yeah. You can't, you can't deny that. <laughs> yeah, you can't call, can't put Ricardo as biggest loser, can you? He finished behind Ocon. Yeah, I know, but relatively yeah. <laughs> speaking, he's got a good point, Joe. You can't argue with Jimmy. He's he's got you on the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> Right, <laughs> speaking of good points, my AJ on the line line of the week comes from a Reddit user that I know not the name of, but I like their their point. So, as we know, Max Verstappen is uncompromising. As we also know, Max Verstappen did an incredible qualifying lap, it must be said, on Saturday, um, other than the last corner in which he crashed. And... Someone pointed out that it turns out that Max Verstappen's yield or crash 
doesn't really work when you're expecting the wall to yield. And I thought that that was just quite an amusing <laughs> comment. <laughs> because, no, the wall didn't yield. That's, that's what you'd expect. So, yeah, just something that tickled me. It was really difficult to think of my, my AJ on the line, line of the week. But you sometimes can't beat the sarcasm, can you? You can't beat it sometimes. <clears throat> uh, you can't. Joe. What was your AJ on the line, line of the week? Um, I'm going to go with um, That's My Offer from Michael Massey. I just, I've, I've never heard of officiating a race that way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you an offer. You can take it. You can leave it. Um, and... It was a poor choice. Yeah, I think it's, in- words, I think it? it's interesting. I think it's interesting. I think it raises a lot of questions about what the rules are. I think a lot of rules need looking at um, after this season. Um, but yeah, I just found it really, really kind of like a line that brought up a lot of questions. I feel like what he should have done is said, "Look, either you're going to start from third or I'm going to refer this to the stewards. But Mm -hmm. at that point, you don't give them the option because it's a bit like in football saying to a player, look, either I'm going to give you a yellow card now or I'm going to let VAR have a look at it and they may give you a red. What would you prefer? Yeah, Yeah, can we have a minute on that just to have a discussion? No, (laughs) that's not how it works. As the official, you make the decision. It's what you're paid to do. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I think there's quite a few changes that need to be made, um, with rules around overtaking, with rules around how penalties are applied, and with there needs to be also an official, an official code to do with handing places back as well. Yeah, I think you're completely right. It's like you you don't just say right. Can you give back a place when it suits you? You say, look, you're going to move aside at this corner and you're going to let them pass. Because then there's no mm-hmm. ambiguity, there's no brake checking. Yeah. Simple. What were you going to say, Joe? I saw an interesting suggestion on Twitter. I think it was from Alex Words, now I think about it. I, I think it was uh, saying that if you're letting a car pass, you shouldn't be allowed to use DRS on that lap. Because mm. that way... You, the, the, you don't have any of that. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. I want to be behind you in this DRS. So, yeah, I think that was a good suggestion um, that you're not allowed to use DRS after letting a car through for a lap. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, whichever whichever way they need to do it, there needs to be more official set in stone rules around racing conduct and penalties. This is the pinnacle of motorsport. You need... Some consistency, mm-hmm. otherwise people will just get fed up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jimmy, I'm interested to hear what your AJ on the line line of the week is, though. Um, mine is quite simple. It was uh, when Hamilton said in the post-race conference, uh, I've met a lot of characters in my 28-year uh, racing career, and there are a few which the rules don't apply for them. Um, and I thought that was very, very poignant and uh, hit the nail on the head. Um, I've never seen, obviously, the Schumacher. Schumacher was a, I'm going to say it, he was a great driver, but he was a cheat. I mean, the way he knocked Damon Hill out to clinch the world title in 95 was absolutely Four. abhorrent. Four, sorry. Yeah, there we go. Sorted. <laughs> sorry, sir. Um, 
um, I go back to when we did karting uh, last Monday. It's much more satisfying to do an overtake, getting past them in a clean manoeuvre than it is to just bash people out the way. Anybody can bash people out the way. Um, and Verstappen thinks that that's good. Didn't you do that to Liam by accident? Yeah, by accident, though, and I let him through. See, that's very good um, <laughs> sportsmanship on my part because I recognised I made a bad decision and I let him through. Granted, Liam was the slowest, so I thought I'd overtake him again. Oh! <laughs> I hope I hope Liam's all right listening to this. Just a disclaimer, none of us are professional racing drivers, although I am the closest to being a professional racing driver officially now, as I, the fastest. I can't say much, though, because I wasn't particularly good either. I think his fastest <laughs> lap was about a tenth off my fastest lap, so we were pretty even. So sorry, Liam, if you're listening. Joe is so annoying to be beaten by a tenth by. Yeah. <laughs> He's so but annoying. That's, <laughs> but, but that's my line of the week this week. Thank you for that, Jimmy. And that was the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. But we have one more left. As I said, there are two great drivers going into one race. Zero points between them. Verstappen leads based on countback. It's going to be a spicy, tense, sleepless week. I think even, uh, well, Christian Horner was heard shouting across the uh, the pit lane to Toto Wolf. I hope both sides of your pillow is warm, Toto. Um, <laughs> which was a little bit crude, but it, it is going to be sleepless nights this week for both teams. And I feel sorry for the, the marketing and social media teams for uh, Red Bull and Mercedes because... One of them, all of like, their work is going to be not used. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, it's going to be a tough one for them. Uh, but what is also going to be tough is deciding what's going to happen this weekend. Not that we have a choice, but we also have some predictions to make for you listening wherever you are to ponder yourself uh, on who is right and who is wrong as inevitably it's usually the latter. Uh, but, Joe, we'll begin with you. What is your sensible prediction for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix? I'll say, I think it's a sensible prediction that Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen are going to come together at some point. I think that that we've that, that has become a sensible prediction. So Is that also your prediction, Jimmy? Yeah. And it's also my yeah, prediction. <laughs> well, there we go. I so we're agreed on that. Think, yeah. I mean, look, the likelihood is that it, it's almost certain that they're going to fill up two of the first three spaces on the grid. You know, you might get you might get a Perez or Bottas splitting them, but um, they're going to be close together on track, at least for the first lap. And who knows what's going to happen? Well, I, I think that... That I think that if there's a gap up the inside of Lewis Hamilton in turn one, Verstappen will take it. Mm-hmm. Whether they come out of the corner or not, I don't think they will. If I was Lewis, I'd genuinely consider running deliberately very wide at the oh, first yeah, turn. Oh, yeah, he, he will if he sees him coming. But if Verstappen just sticks a, a wheel up the rear, mm-hmm. he wins. As a, I, would, I, would, I would do it regardless of if he sees Verstappen coming or not. I'd run two or three car lengths off the track at the start. You'd, you'd almost want to do an engine change so that you you 
go back <laughs> to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fifth or sixth be, on the grid. That'd be so funny, wouldn't it? God, it'd be great. Yeah, how do you play that if you're Lewis Hamilton, though? I think you pray that Valtteri qualifies P2, make, make it as wide as possible. Yeah, and if, you, if something happens, Valtteri's like your rear gunner and sacrifices yeah. himself. You'd, you'd want Valtteri yeah. to basically just take that inside line. You'd say to him, "Let's get a, let hope we get a very even start." Valtteri, you go on the inside. I will leave you as much space as you want. Just cover that inside for me, so Max can't send it up there. And um, that's what they did at the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix so well. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jimmy, what would you do? I don't know. Um, the, the issue that Hamilton's got is Verstappen still has the advantage if they both don't score because he's got more wins than Lewis. So if Lewis tries to do something a bit sort of on the mark, Verstappen will just run into him and they'll both go off and they won't score and Verstappen will be champion. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. Simple if, as. if Max is on pole, how, how would you approach it from second place? Would you, would you try and do it through pit stops or? Yeah. Yeah, you have I mean, to. I mean, you, I mean, you look at, I mean, if you look at the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix that we've just had, at the end of the day, Lewis, if he wanted to, could have sat behind Max and waited for his tyres to go. I mean, obviously he couldn't have known they were going to go, but that's what it could have come down yeah. to in the end. Max's tyre, Max's tyres went with ten laps to go. I think that Lewis, Lewis on the harder tyres pushed Max Verstappen to mm-hmm. a speed that his tyres couldn't cope with. But that's not necessarily going to be the case this race. It's going to be so interesting, intriguing, and you really wouldn't want to miss it. But finally, we do need to go to our bold Banzai predictions. Uh, mine is that Abu Dhabi is actually going to be an exciting race. It goes against everything that I've seen in the past few years at that track. But of course, there is a different layout, so it might be better. It might be. Uh, so that's my bold prediction. What about yours, Jimmy? My bold prediction is a Mercedes Christmas miracle. Um, I'm predicting that Hamilton and Verstappen will collide. That was my prediction about the the, the safe prediction. Uh, but what I would say is that Hamilton will finish ahead of Verstappen in the points and Bottas will win the race because Hamilton and Verstappen came together. So Bottas gets a fairy tale ending to his Mercedes career and Hamilton wins his eighth world title, breaking all the records that have been broken. I mean, that would be pretty ideal, wouldn't it? From a, a Mercedes perspective. It would be so lovely, wouldn't it? I'm going to get a little bit emotional about Bottas leaving Mercedes. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? I like him. Well, he's had 100 races with Mercedes as of uh, Saudi Arabia. And all 100, he's been in Q3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, consistency. Quite impressive. Yeah, exactly. Mm. He's he's not easily rattled his Beltrari Votas. And we finally come to you, Joe. What is your bold or Banzai prediction? Um, well I suppose about a pick a winner following the uh inevitable four way Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas, Perez crash at the start. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll go um I'll go with Carl Sainz. To win the uh, win the race, and Carlos Sainz is is an interesting choice because he is the driver who has scored the most points without winning a Grand Prix. So that that is why I went for him. There you go. 
it's scary on I your was, part. Uh, I, was, I was looking so. at the results and I saw I saw Ocon, Ricardo, Gasly, Leclerc. They've all won a race, and then there's Carlos Sainz, never won a race. So I went went for him, and I feel like he deserves one. So well, if if the, if you're not interested in who wins the championship, then at least come to watch the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix to see a new race winner in Carlos Sainz. If you believe what Joe's got to say. Um, I believe a lot of what he's got to say is just, it's bold. But that's what that prediction's all about. Well, it has gone on a bit longer, hasn't it? So forgive us for that. But I think it was an intriguing conversation nevertheless. So I want to say thank you very much for listening. And thank you to you, Joe and Jimmy, for your insight as ever. For more content, please head over to ajontheline.com. Follow me on Instagram at AdamJW44. And whether you're listening on Apple's podcast, Spotify, or anywhere else, subscribe, like, comment, do whatever you need to do to show us that you enjoy what we've got uh, to offer and that you want a little bit more. And why not leave in the comments on the website who you think is going to take the title? There's one race left two drivers in it you wouldn't want to miss it we'll find out together though we'll see you in abu dhabi and finally thank you and rest in peace sir frank williams <laughs>